podcast indeed it feels good to be back thank you everybody for checking me out here on this august 26th friday evening as i'm recording here 2022 it's been a while although i have given you some youtube stuff by the way if you're not following me on youtube you're missing out because a lot of people and i appreciate the feedback and the support the love you name it have provided me with unlimited like just accolades for my video called hold on it's funny for the most part i mean if you don't get it fine it's that's cool not for everybody and then my most recent youtube video about the firing of john laryngitis laryngitis for some and um that video was extremely like that took a while in terms of editing you see how i pieced all that together but that's how it goes so thank you for checking me out again Please do subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't. So this way you get notifications for when I put up videos because I will be coming back here with uh, my weekly episodes. But then when something big happens or when there's just a show that I want to review quickly or something I want to provide, maybe a game recap, a review, you name it, I will be putting it up on YouTube. And eventually I will be going on Patreon. So hopefully in time with more content showing my reliability if you will in terms of providing consistent content that some people out there will throw me some love and a little bit of support financially i mean um so yeah here we are back a lot has happened of course because i haven't told you anything about my life in what three months roughly maybe less i don't know it was it june 4th that last episode mjf yes so we're gonna get into that right now here we go Okay, so without any further delay, let's get into the news. So it finally broke the other day, actually yesterday, I believe, that President Joe Biden has finally decided to forgive. Listen to this. Initially, he had said $10,000 going into his campaign. And not only did he come through with the $10,000, he doubled it to $20,000 for those people who are poor and had to go through a Pell Grant, which... Raise your hand. I did. Yes, I did. So unless the system is going to screw me, pretty much most of my loan has been wiped out, thankfully, a loan that I've been paying back for over 20 years. And I'm sure a lot of people also struggle with that. So this is a huge relief to many people. I know Republicans are going to have their say in the matter. But listen, it's just it's devastating for some people who have it far worse than me, by the way. People owe six figures. And those people just start at the bottom. It takes years and years to get out from underneath that rock with all that debt. And, and keep in mind, it's not just the money itself. It's the interest. The interest is ridiculous. Uh, for my loan, it was over 7%. I don't even know what a new loan is today, but it's brutal. Yeah, so that that is great news. I'm sure everyone can be thrilled about that, except for the Republicans. Moving along. I know most of the time everything here is fun and I try to make jokes about everything, but, and th this is just awful what's going on with the world today and crime. I mean, I I've told you guys, I live in New York city and the crime rate is just skyrocketing. 
I mean, whatever you want to blame, still people love the old pandemic. But I mean, look, bail reform is a nightmare. So every criminal is just going back on the street, doing what they just previously did, knowing they're going to be released that same day. And why would you stop committing crime? There's no reason. Well, I mean, that would be kind of stupid. Hey, I'm never going to go away unless I actually kill someone. And, and believe it or not, those people are being let out, too. It's it's the system is really bad. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Everyone's just waiting to be a victim. And now now criminals are attacking off duty cops. I mean, not that they knew they were off duty cops, but I mean, everyone is at risk right now. It is. It's just crazy how robberies are taking place in broad daylight. You have home invasions. I was reading some horrific stuff. I don't even want to share with you because it's so disturbing. I mean, people being tortured, like just crazy stuff happening in middle America specifically. I mean, like a, a boyfriend torturing his girlfriend and getting released on bail that we just spoke about and then going back to kill his mother, stepfather and the girlfriend that he initially tortured. It's just what next It is out of control, out of control with the crime. And it's just like it makes me think that a lot of this world is morally bankrupt. People don't care what they do to anybody anymore. It's just awful. So in lighter news, former President Donald Trump still not locked up. I mean, I don't know. How many more like situations can this guy go through without going to prison? I mean, he finds a way to avoid it no matter what. I mean, look, I said this months back that he was never going to go to prison. I don't believe it. I mean, he's more likely to win the 24 election than he is to go to jail. I mean... You know, you just can't get me, okay? I'm slick. I told Cuomo they were never going to get me, but he caved and he stepped down. You know, Donald, I just did it for the people because they loved me so much and they were shocked by the things I did. You know, that's just who I am. So, yeah, that. Um, but, yeah, he's never going to jail. So um, in other news that broke recently, Kim Kardashian broke up with our favorite alien, Pete Davidson. Yes, Staten Island's favorite alien. Unfortunately, listen, he, trust me, he's only going to move on to better and younger because his resume is crazy. I mean, forget about his working resume. His dick resume is next level. All right. He just show up to a job and be like, here's my dick resume. That's it. This is the women I've. Yes, exactly. In happier news, um, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck finally married. Yes, congratulations. Yes, yes, yes. Um, they had been together in the past, as everyone knows, but Ben was a raging alcoholic, and thankfully now he's sober, so good for them. Nice to see people actually happy, because everyone had said that she, that he was the love of her life. So they reconnected, and it's, it's always nice to hear a good story in this horrible world we live in. Uh, moving along, I recently went to Atlantic City, and I thought Tropicana was ghetto. If you go to Atlantic City, you know the hotels, and Tropicana is really ghetto, but now Harris is saying, hold my beer, because I couldn't believe a lot of the things I had seen there. It was just next-level ratchet. I mean, I went with my boy, and we went to the pool area, and he went into the jacuzzi, and I saw the jacuzzi, and it was crowded, and I was like, I don't know if I want to go in there. So I was like, you know what? He's buying, he's not by himself because there was so many people in there. But I was like, I'll just join him. And I could not believe what I saw. So most people you think around a jacuzzi would have 
a bottle of, I don't know, a glass of wine, perhaps any kind of alcohol beverage. And that was the case for many people. And so one person, one person actually whipped out a bag of cheese doodles and started eating it in the jacuzzi. I just went, I'm done. I'm out. Bye. I got to go. I just, that you can't unsee. Like who would do that? I don't know. How do you, what brings you, and keep in mind, you know, she's taking her fingers right back into the pool water or the jacuzzi water. So now there's just cheese doodles floating around in that water. Just disgusting. And then who knows who's urinating in it too. That's another nice fun fact or potential fact. Um, Just awful human beings everywhere. Disgusting. Shark attacks on the rise. And I am not surprised. Sorry that run, but it did. Um, But yeah, just, it is, that's another thing that's out of control. The sharks have had it. They are just fed up with people. (laughs) They are just furious with people. Sharks angry on the news at five. I mean, I, I always said, and I joked about this many times in my standup in the past, is it's like, like those scientists would talk about how sharks don't know they're attacking human beings. I'm like, come on, there's got to be one in the back that's like, yeah, fuck them all. Let's go get them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, come on, man. They got to know at this point. Like, like I said, I was like, until I see a shark on 60 Minutes admit that they have no idea what they're biting, I just, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But, I mean, you know, it's just another level of white privilege, though. Because you know who's in the water? The white people. Like, I, I, I don't go in the water. I'm smart. But the white people are like, you know, that this is this is our, our right, our privilege to be in the water. You know, move the sharks, not us. So they're still going in that water. And the sharks are like, oh, yeah? Okay. All right. We got you. Like, this is just out of control. You would think it would be that simple. I'm not going in the water again, but these fucking people still do it. It is mind-blowing. And I joke with my friends, like, you never see brothers in the water. You know, you do not see brothers in the water because because they have to deal with their own kind of shark, and that is known as the land shark, which is the NYPD. So that's, you know, that's bad enough. Not going in the water. Um... A friend who listens to the show wanted me to talk about the Better Call Saul finale, which I thought was phenomenal. I thought it was well done. Um, Spoiler alert. So I'll put it in the description of the episode. And if you want to turn it off now, you can go check the description. And when I will be done talking about the the series finale. So spoiler alert. Here we go. All right. So initially it looked like Saul was going to go down that dark road. And was going to find a way out of going to prison, or at least not going for life. We, he, he made the deal, seven and a half years he was going to get. He found a way around it. And then he realized what had happened to his ex. And that she was going to be brought up on civil charges and everything stemming from uh, Howard being killed. And all the stuff that they did in covering up his death. And um, it was an amazing scene in the courtroom. When he went from Saul Goodman back to Jimmy McGill and he confessed everything. He confessed everything. And I know some people didn't like that. Some people thought, okay, he had to stay true to who he was. But who was he really? Who was he really? Was I know people say, oh, he was in the dark side for so long. But, I mean, he was Jimmy McGill for a lot longer, was he not? I mean, yeah, he was always a shady lawyer. He always had his history and issues. But... He was torn. He was clearly torn. And look, I, I like that he made that decision. 
Granted, he went to jail for as long as he did, probably forever. I think the line was 86 years or something like that. But I like the way they did that. It worked for me. Didn't work for others. That's okay. But that was a great show. Just a phenomenal show. And if you haven't seen it, and if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, you have to see, yeah, you have to see both. It's a must. Breaking Bad, watch first, of course. But I mean, now I'm going to go back and watch Breaking Bad again just to see how it connects. Because that was so well done, too, with how they brought Walter White back. And they and they had that little tie-in in one of those episodes. And uh, hats off to Carol Burnett, by the way. She was great in the, in the two or three episodes she was in. A lot of good stuff in that uh, final season. And uh, switching gears to movies really quickly. Um, the Black Phone. I'm a big horror movie fan. Anybody who is out there, um, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just going to tell you it was great. It was really good, and it wasn't more horror. It was more, I would say it was more psychological thriller than it was horror, per se. But it was, well, I mean, Ethan Hawke, really good. The The boy in the movie was really good. The, the sister was incredible. I, I should know her name. I should have looked it up, but she's going to be somebody. She was, What an actress she was. And um, that's just, if you're, if you're a fan of that kind of movie, um, check out The Black Phone. Really well done. And um, uh, my favorite franchise of all time, Halloween, which has been really taking a hit in several years. I mean, of just bad movies, in my opinion, or mediocrity at best. I know a lot of people who do their horror reviews and have a thousand, you know, there's like five or six people I follow on YouTube that have their channels regarding horror movies. And everyone wants to somehow positively spin. Although there is one guy that I found, I forget his name, I should shout him out. But he hated Halloween Kills as much as I did because the script was shit. I mean, listen, I love Danny McBride and the work he's done as an actor. Of course, Eastbound and Down, the end, phenomenal movie with all those guys, Franco, Rogan, Jonah Hill. Um, and I gave him a chance. I said, listen, okay, so Jordan Peele, Key and Peele, comedian, turns around and becomes a director and makes two of the greatest horror movies I've ever seen. I have yet to see Nope, although people say it wasn't as good, but... Guess what? How how hard is it to live up to his first two movies he made? They were incredible. So it's gonna it's bound to come down. However, like David Gordon Green, I was like, okay, let's give it a chance. Although with Blumhouse behind it, you just never know where they're gonna go storyline wise. And I just felt like Halloween Kills was more like that Rob Zombie version. It was a cross between one and two, which is way too much kills way too many and and they just went out of their way to do that and takes away from the original the the mystery of michael myers why he does what he does the stalking of michael myers the power that drives him and and now we're gonna get halloween ends the the finale which i've already seen the trailer too and i've heard the plot the plot bothers me because now here's the deal it's set in the future it's like four years from the last uh, part of the the re, re, um, of Halloween Kill, excuse me, and now Michael is apparently hiding out. So Michael Myers is hiding out. Listen to this garbage, ready? And Jamie Lee has moved on. She has her her granddaughter. Of course, the the daughter died, as we know. She was killed, which was a horrible, oh, another horrible scene in the in the last movie. It's like out of nowhere, Michael Myers reappears in the house and kills kills Jamie Lee's daughter, which is just so stupid. Um, so that was poorly done. But so Michael Myers, there's apparently a copycat. So there's a babysitter. I forget the name. I should remember the name. 
and oh, Corey Cunningham. Thank you. That's the name. And he, um, according to the rumors online, he kills a, a boy and he dons the mask. And there's, if it's in the trailer, it shows Laurie Strode fighting with Michael, but apparently it's not the real Michael. So I don't know if she kills the fake Michael or whatever happens, we're going to learn in the movie. But and now listen to this crap. Reportedly, Michael, who's been hiding out, somehow finds out about the copy killer. Yeah, Michael, who apparently has the internet or I don't know, watches TV. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's he's jacking at the spank bang. I don't know what Michael's doing. And I mean, they're dirty old man. Who knows? He's like 65 at this point. So he finds out, right, in quotes, about the copycat. He comes back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she doesn't kill the copycat because I, I believe I heard that Michael comes and kills the copycat. Um, but yeah, that bothers me, the plot holes. And now, if you go back to the original Halloween movie, um, we learn in part two that Laurie and Michael were related. That I believe, what, Laurie was adopted or something along those lines? I forget the exact, uh, I should know that. Um, and then with this trilogy, they decided that they were not related. So they basically said that the first and the second movie, he wasn't really going after Laurie. Plus, she was in the hospital the whole movie. So how could he? So now they're switching it again, saying, oh, now for everything that happened, he is going after her this time. That makes no sense. I hope that is not the plot. Nothing makes sense then if you're going to go away from what you did initially. I know I spent way too much time on this movie, but I'm passionate about that movie. It's just it's a great movie. I mean, it's a great franchise, I should say. Not Nothing recent that they've done is great, but it's a great franchise. So I came across a story that I thought was recent, and I was reading it, and I'm going, oh, my God, this is like a movie. This is going to be a great movie once they get a hold of it. And I later learned that it was a story from 2010. But I want to share it with you anyway, because it's really unbelievable. So listen to this. We've all heard of the movie Snakes on a Plane with Samuel L. Jackson, right? I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Well, how about if I told you, I mean, if they took this story, it would work, I think. I don't know how, but it could work. What if I told you crocodiles on a plane? Yes, listen to this. So back in 2010, I think it was in Dominican Republic, a man was transporting a crocodile on the plane. I mean, talk about like like going through customs or baggage with that. How, how did they not? It was in a duffel bag. What, what are you checking? I mean, how did they not know that there was something in that bag that wasn't clothing? So um, apparently the crocodile escaped as the flight was about to land. And everyone panicked. I guess the crocodile was out. I don't know the size of the crocodile. I can't imagine it was that big to be in a duffel bag. Who knows? And everyone went to the where the, the pilot is, the cabin door. And because of that, the weight shifted one way. And the plane, before it was supposed to land, crashed. It crashed. And I'm like, this is a movie. This is definitely a movie. How is this not a movie? But I mean, you know, there was really, unfortunately, no happy ending here because one human survived, which kind of sounds like the movie Unbreakable with Bruce Willis, if you think about it, how he survived that train crash. And um, this person survived the plane crash. And by the way, guess who else survived? The fucking crocodile survived. And they uh, killed it with a machete. I'm not, I'm not joking. This is a true story. Like, this is crazy that that happened. All right, so that was a lot of news. Um, we're going to come back on the other side. We're going to talk about wrestling. A lot has happened with that in the time I've been gone. And um, 
You're listening to Morton's Low Podcast, coming back after this. Welcome back to Morton's Law Podcast. Uh, please also don't forget to check me out on Instagram, Morton's Law Podcast, Facebook, Morton's Law. Please join the group. And as I mentioned earlier, please subscribe to YouTube if you uh, so wish. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Okay, so the last time I recorded back on June the 4th, CM Punk had just been injured and Moxley became interim champ. So it was reported i don't know just weeks ago actually less than a month ago now that punk was still in a walking boot i guess he appeared somewhere and someone saw him in a walking boot which naturally led to speculation regarding his anticipated match with moxley at all out on september what is it the fourth so i mean at the end of the moxley jericho match punk comes out he comes out without a walking boot and then everyone thought the main event was was okay i mean so he's out he's he's doing okay And then the following Dynamite, we get the face-to-face with Punk and Moxley. Punk was great here, by the way. He took jabs at everybody. Uh, What did he say about Moxley? He made a a reference about the Shield being like the third best member in the group or something like that. And um, just just some really funny jabs at Moxley. I I think he made the comment about something like, uh, you're going to bleed on me, which was hilarious. And then reportedly, Punk went off script calling out Hangman Adam Page. Now, there's been a lot of backstage heat. Reportedly, again, take everything with a grain of salt, please. I don't know what's going on right now. But um, so then, so here's what happens. So then AEW announces Punk and Moxley will take place on Dynamite to unify the titles. And people were shocked, of course, which led to more speculation. Now... I'm, I, I, re, I sound like a broken record saying reportedly, but all this is reportedly because we don't know what's true. Punk hasn't been happy and was apparently going to no show and perhaps even quit the, co- quit the company. But he ended up showing up and we saw what we got. Now, it's a lot to digest. Furthermore, it's a question of is AEW now working the sheets and the fans? Now, for those who don't follow wrestling or may not be maybe you're just a casual fan and you you don't care about what's going on behind the scenes and you just like to listen to me talk i don't know maybe maybe there's one person out there that just likes the way i tell stories i've heard that actually i got feedback from people to say the way you tell stories it makes me interested in what you're saying so okay let's hope that's the case here so okay when i talk about is aw working the sheets working the sheets means this so there's newsletters and dirt sheets these are like fake journalists, if you will. I know I know people are going to be pissed at me saying fake journalists who report wrestling news. And they have insiders, people who who give away news, people on the inside who will call these people or text whatever and say this is what's happening behind the scenes. So they, they then report this news online. So the and over time, as I'll mention later, the Internet has ruined a lot of wrestling in terms of surprise. Like we don't we know everything that's going to happen if you read the internet and again like i said not everything is true there's a lot of fake news out there fake news um but so when when i say aw could work the sheets it would mean leak a fake story 
So then people go report this as gospel and it ends up not being legitimate. I hope that makes sense. So the question is, is Punk really unhappy? I don't know. Is he healthy? I don't really know. I mean, the match on Dynamite to unify the titles was not even the main event, which is which was bizarre. So it starts at nine o'clock this past Wednesday night for those who watched. And very early on, Punk goes for like what appeared to be some kind of spinning kick. And he immediately goes down in agony and he's holding what was the plant leg. And I think that was the foot that was injured or unless they butchered that he held the wrong foot. I, don't, I couldn't tell you. Um, so the question is, did he re-injure the foot or did he re- to return too soon? I mean, and then it goes back to the question of, is it a work or is he legitimately hurt? We don't know. Work means storyline. Is he hurt for the storyline purpose? So most people lean towards it being a work versus legitimate on almost everything. That's just how people think. Like any story ever, they're just like, oh, work, work, work. It can't be, can't be real. But sometimes it is real. So Punk is down. The ref checks on him and the match continues. So everyone goes, okay, he's not legitimately hurt because then he would be coming out of the ring. They wouldn't take that risk. Although some guys have finished matches um, being injured. That has happened before. Now, you could speculate that Punk re-injured himself, which I don't think is the case, by the way. I'm just throwing this out there as a scenario. Punk goes, okay, I'm really hurt right now. Let's go to the finish. Have Moxley beat me. And then we'll figure something out. I just can't. I can't go on right now. Which I don't think happened, but that could happen in situations like that where they have to go home early, which is called the finish, and they 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 end the match earlier than anticipated. So the match was three minutes in length versus most title matches that are between 20 and 40 minutes, some longer than that. Um, so Moxley then picks up Punk and hits two of his finishing maneuvers at Death Rider. And he pins Punk in the middle of the ring. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Everyone was in shock. It was like, it was almost borderline Undertaker losing to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania shock. Like, everyone's like, what just happened? And listen, a lot of the crowd was behind Moxley. So they got excited for him winning that match convincingly. But of course, people were also clearly concerned and uncertain about Punk's well-being. And then we see Moxley celebrating. And well, not, he doesn't celebrate. He just walks around like a badass. But so Punk gets up. He's helped to the back. And then he turns around and looks at the ring. And for whatever reason, that just gave me this, this moment of thought, which, again, I don't think is, is happening. But did he just look back at the ring going, that's the last time I'm going to be in a ring? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's not going to happen. Here's why, because there's more to the story. But just little things I thought about as I was watching this live or taped i never watch anything laugh but so here's here's what's on the internet people question whether or not if punk was in fact unhappy or he if he was actually punished by tony khan for coming out and and taking shots at hangman adam page going off script as has been again reported so now again the speculation about the main event at all out um now nothing is official Again, at the time of this recording, which is happening before SmackDown, before Rampage on this Friday evening, um, it's being still stated that Punk will still face Moxley at All Out in an immediate rematch. 
But again, with all that speculation, it's hard for me to say I know anything. I don't. Now, Brian Alvarez of the Wrestling Observer suggests this. He says, likely storyline so that they build up Punk to go back to his hometown because, of course, All Out is in Chicago. So the crowd will be behind him as he digs down deep within his soul to fight through this injury and avenge this loss. And listen, that makes sense to me and would be really well done by AEW if this is how it's playing out. And, and again, I'll say this. I've said this in the past. There's nothing wrong with not knowing. Listen, no one should be upset if we're surprised and get the unexpected. I, I don't want to know everything. And again, it goes back to the internet has really taken away the element of surprise in professional wrestling. Everybody knows too much. Well, at least the audience that's remaining. Again, people talk about the, the dwindling audience in pro wrestling, which used to be double and sometimes triple during the Attitude Era. But now we're looking at, and by the way, Raw is bouncing back nicely. We're gonna talk about Raw in a couple minutes. But I mean, Raw's ratings rolled all the way down to 1.5 and now they're over 2 million thanks to Mr. Levesque, which again, in a minute. Um, but, you know, so with all the backstage, um, well, for, oh, let me say this first, but by the way, you know, we haven't seen MJF since my last episode. I just wanted to say that because here's why now people online are saying, oh, well, with all the backstage drama, could this be the return of MJF? Could they bring him back at all out and factor into the storyline? And the question is, but how? I mean, he would clearly get nuclear heat if he somehow returned and cost Punk the match in front of his home crowd. But I think this, here's what I think, because I don't I don't like that. I don't think that makes any sense because of this. The fans right now would want to cheer MJF. That's what I believe. They want to cheer him. I think if he comes back, he's got to be a baby face. He can't be a heel. Now, again, there's a way around everything so they could find a way to get him heal i mean although when you look at it a lot of wrestling today especially AEW, it's a city to city thing like as we know he's cheered in his hometown of long island and he's booed almost everywhere else but if you listen i mean when when he was doing that whole shoot or whatever you want to call it on tony khan and said what he said there was a lot of crowd behind him that night and it's just a matter of time i think before he becomes that golden boy baby face because he has it in him he does um so regardless of what happens going forward i think aw definitely can ill afford to lose anyone so whatever drama is backstage if any again all this could be just made up i don't know um they got to find a way to keep everybody because they need to especially with the other product getting better again in a minute um so while the ratings have stayed respectable for dynamite which has been the case I mean, they've been a little under a million for quite a while now, but still a little over 900,000, which is which is better than, I mean, anticipated, especially with all the injuries that have sustained. Now, Kenny Omega's back. Brian Danielson is back. Punk is back. We'll see what happens there. Um, if MJF comes back and you have your main draws, if you will, the people that at the end of the day, everyone pays a ticket to see, right? Those, that's your core. And, and then they eventually have to find something to do with Wardlow because, I mean, Right now, Wardlow's been neglected. So has the TNT title, if you think about it. I mean, I know he's he's had matches on Rampage. Um, nothing has stood out, though. They It's like they have nothing for him after when he beat MJF. And that's just, I don't know what they're doing. 
Um, so like I said, what well, the ratings have been respectable, this past show did go back over a million. So that was, that was, that was important for them to get that number. And, but overall, listen, with all those guys out and with Tony Khan, it's, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy have to, having to adjust the storylines and, and come up with different stuff. Um, the product has been stale. It really has been stale. And I think that's more in the forefront because of the other product improving. So you're like, wait a second. The product that everyone like dismissed and said was dying is now alive and well. And now we're looking at your product, AEW, going, well, what is this? What are we watching? This is not really good anymore. And it's just blah without people not on TV. So um, now here's another thing. Also, with the title match only going three minutes, this, this was not good. Okay. They gave the main event. The trios, what was it, the semifinal or the quarterfinal? I, I couldn't tell you. Aussie Open, Will Ospreay against uh, Death Triangle. And that match, okay, listen, I'll say this. 30 minutes, really? 30 minutes? With all due respect to the six involved, okay? Listen, I get everyone worked hard, and it was definitely not boring. It was, everyone displayed ridiculous athleticism. It was next-level athleticism. However... In my opinion, the match was 10 minutes too long. And it was, I hate to use the term spot fest. I hate it because it's not fair. But it, it, then again, when you don't, when no one's wrestling in that match, it's going spot to spot to spot to spot to spot. And, and it's not a wrestling match. And that's what it was. And that's why I don't want to see that match for 30 minutes. I get it after 15. I'm like, okay, I get what you're doing. Now end the match. And they just kept going and kept going. And so if everything was planned this way, that was a bad job by Tony Khan not having another match ready. Like they should have went to another match and cut that match down 10 minutes or given someone more promo time, anything to not let that match go 30. But to be fair, listen, that fan base, those AEW faithful, and there's a lot of them, they're, they're you know, roughly a million. They love that style of professional wrestling. So in the words of Excalibur, you got to give the people what they want. And they do give their fan base what they want for the most part. So who am I to tell you not to like it? You can like that style of wrestling. Now, conversely, I'll say this. And if you watch my latest YouTube video, which, by the way, again, please go to YouTube and check me out. Morton's Love Podcast. Um, I did the video on uh, how WWE has been since Paul Levesque took over. And let's be fair. I'm loving the WWE product right now. I mean, they're doing it right. I mean, words, you know, words you never thought you would hear from me, right? Let's be fair. Especially as long as the old man was still running things. You were never going to hear those words out of my mouth. And now it's completely different. I mean, listen, I'm going to go a little bit more into detail on WWE product. But first, I wanted to just compare the Raw main event to the Dynamite main event, which I just talked about with Dynamite and their six, their trios match that just went a little over the top with it being a circus act, really, is what it was. So you get Edge against Damian Priest in the Raw main event. The storyline behind the match is something to care about. I'm not telling you it's the greatest storyline ever because it isn't, but it, it's something to care about, especially with Edge being home in Toronto, wrestling in front of his hometown for the first time in over a decade. So you have that built in. You have Beth, his wife, at ringside. And it's just, it it just feels something. It makes you care more. 
I mean, and the way they start the match, it's a build. You build, you get to a certain point, there's emotion involved. It takes time to get there. And and I'll be fair here, because you've heard me say this. I've been critical, extremely critical, of the WWE slowed down pace. However, as I get older, I get wiser. And now I understand the psychology behind these WWE matches. Not all of them. Some, some of them are just slow and I don't care. But this, I cared about this match. And, and unlike the Dynamite main event, this match actually had just 20 minutes, which was still on the long side. I mean, this match could have been cut a little bit also. It didn't have to be 20. It could have been 15 or 16. But it wasn't 30. I mean, I, I think that match was longer than 30 on Dynamite. Now, look, Tony Khan wanted to see an all-out J- New Japan AAA style match, and that's what he gave everybody. And I'm sure people raved about it online. I didn't, I didn't find out. I don't care what people think. I'm just telling you that's my opinion of the match. Um, but Edge and Priest told the story, and it was a great one. I mean, so many twists and turns in the match. Now, I don't know what the future holds for Judgment Day. Look, I don't think it's going to be a major faction unless someone turns and joins them. Because not having Edge in it anymore does hurt the faction, without question. But with Edge being home, I mean... You know, you, you kind of thought going into the match, and you guys know I'm always thinking about how they're going to finish matches. So you knew he had a win, but I was curious if they would have Priest win via interference. So this way Edge doesn't lose clean in front of his home crowd, and or they could have won DQ. I wasn't sure how they were going to do this. But again, and, and while I could nitpick at the finish, you know, think about it. It was Priest who brought in the steel chair. So him being overzealous after the ref bump essentially cost him the match. That's more storytelling. Like, well, he brought in the chair. He, you know, when the ref was out, Edge took advantage of the chair and eventually won the match. You know, although you could say this, the beatdown after the match by by Judgment Day still kept the fra- the faction somewhat strong. Although now, to be fair, Beth Phoenix got into the ring. She had a chair, and she looks like hey, she still looks like she can go. So I'm inclined to believe we're going to get a, a Beth Edge against Damian or, or Balor and Rhea Ripley. We're getting that match at some point, um, you know, and perhaps at Clash at the Castle. I mean, I'm sure they could book that match this week and then we get it at that next show. Um, but look, it's just it's just so well done the way Mr. Levesque has taken that product. Um, you know, and nothing is perfect. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you, oh, WWE is, is the greatest product since the eighties or nineties. I'm not telling you that, but it's, it's done a 180 in terms of the overall product. Um, I have now watched three consecutive weeks of raw completely, completely. Nothing has been over the top insulting. The finishes have been much better. Hunter or Paul, whatever you want to call him is doing a great job protecting certain people with DQ finishes. I mean, I'm over here watching the show almost in disbelief in terms of it making sense. I'm like, this makes sense. How hard was this? Like, I mean, again, I don't want to attack Vince. And uh, of course, he had a great history in this business, doing what he did, making superstars, making it a global stock, everything, WWE bigger than anything. I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away, but the last 10 years, nothing made sense with the exception of here and there, but it's just really bad. 
and now we're seeing it the way it should be done so yeah i i mean i like the direction they're going and and I, i'm curious to see how far they go with this in terms of me wanting to keep watching because i mean with guys coming back we saw johnny gargano come back um that was pretty well done i like that he's gonna have a program now with theory that's gonna be good wrestling again we're getting good wrestling how can you complain you're getting good wrestling and and it makes sense so that's about that so listen as i said i'll be doing more youtube hits so please hit that subscribe button um i will be back to talk sports next week pardon me i really didn't have enough time to put that at anything sports related yankees and Mets still in first place and um I still don't think the Yankees have a chance. I'll just say that. I think they'll find a way to lose to the Astros or even before the Astros. And Aaron Judge, what, I mean, look, if they don't go to the World Series, they can't pay him. They can't pay him. They have to blow this whole thing up. I, I can't pay him. Although now that Soto is in San Diego, I mean, I don't know what they're going to go get. So they're probably going to have to pay him now. Although that's a risk. It's just a risk. I mean, this is the first time he's been healthy all year for the most part. I mean, once he signs that big money, is he going to stay healthy? We don't know. So, like I said, I'll be going back talking more sports next week. And, uh, of course, the upcoming football season. A lot to be excited about there. And more importantly, fantasy football. It's around the corner. I got drafts coming up. I'm preparing. Now, I've told you many times on this show, my ego is minimal when it comes to most things. But I'm telling you right now, I am a god when it comes to fantasy football. So, if you want to make the playoffs and even win your league, stay tuned and listen to what I got to say about that. Because, um... I'm jacked. I think I have four leagues, and I'll be doing FanDuel every Sunday, uh, competing in multiple uh, daily tournaments, and just going for gold. That's what I do. So um, I want to appreciate everybody for checking out another edition of Morton's Law Podcast. And um, I'll be back soon. I'll probably do something on YouTube uh, regarding SmackDown, just something quick, put it together. And um, I'll be back next week with another episode here. Thanks again, and take care. And of course, as always, God bless gay sex.